What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Disc Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all love and support, and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform, and make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Disc Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. This is Deep Dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. Brian, welcome to the platform. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. It's campaign season. You know, you're running uh, for General Session Judge Division 9. How are you feeling right now? Exhausted. Am I allowed <laughs> to say I'm exhausted? That uh, means you're working. That means you're doing something. <laughs> you know, uh, going to law school at night. I got my MBA at night. I'm used to working full time during the day and then having insurmountable projects to go to upon completion. So, uh, so just get out of the courtroom, hit up as many neighborhood meetings I can go to, organizational meetings I can go to, and then just, just doing the best I can for the campaign after that. And so, um, like myself, you are a natural native. So, you know, we got we to gotta treat each other special. Absolutely. Because you know? there ain't too many of us lingering around anymore. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, um, it just how did you get into you know, law, right? What was that journey? What was that inspiration like um, for yourself? And I know it's probably, you know, a long journey. And so if you want to condense this for us and you give us the hot like, spots, that's fine. But I'm always interested on, um, on why candidates um, choose to get in this profession. I think that's just fascinating and to know that, you know, background story. That's a that's a great question. I actually was 30 when I went back to law school. Okay. So I did not go straight through. I I, uh, I got my MBA first, worked in corporate America. Um, before that, I actually gra- had the fortune of graduating college in 2008 mm-hmm. or, or 2007, December of 2007. So then I get to enter the workforce mm-hmm. in the world's worst economy <laughs> since the Great Depression. <laughs> and so I made that work. Then got my MBA, joined mm-hmm. corporate America, did not like it, just just was not for me. And I got into consulting on one of my consulting projects. It was like the first one, I think. <laughs> uh, one of the, uh, our client receives a letter from an attorney threatening to sue them for what I just implemented. And I was like, I did it right. I know I did it right. Pull up the code. That's what it says. And they were just like, you deal with this. I went to call an attorney friend of mine, and I saw how expensive it was for, to get them to write the letter. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the letter myself. When we resolved that situation, I was like, this feels amazing. This feels powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, I love this. So then I started researching options, and uh, we are incredibly fortunate to have a school called Nashville School of Law here in, right here in 100 Oaks. Right. And... Um, I had made up my mind I was going to take the LSAT and I was going to go to law school. And it makes me a better lawyer that I had that life experience mm-hmm. for nine years before going back to law school. So now when I deal with my clients, when I, when I listen to them, when I talk to them, I feel like I have a much better connection because I was... You know, I had those jobs. I pushed carts at Costco. Mm-hmm. I, I, I started at the ground level. And so I understand how difficult it is to make it when you're making eleven fifty at Costco. Right, right. Now, that's fascinating. And um, 
And I'm glad you had that journey because it, that journey is like that build character. <laughs> and it, it really helps you understand um, kind of more of community, right? Um, and it doesn't kind of make you this super elitist, you know, um, that had this kind of elitist type of path, but you really know and understand, like, what's it mean to, like, like be of the people and now, like, work with the people um, at the same time. So um, got to appreciate those journeys. Um, now you're on a different journey, this yes. campaign journey. And so I'm curious of your motivation and wanting to p pivot out of, you know, like private practice um, into, you know, potentially judgeship. So um, I want to help people. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, when I got my law degree, just like when you get, you know, uh, your MD, mm -hmm. right? You can be a plastic surgeon or you can be a, you know, oncologist or a dermatologist. There's a million different things you can do with that degree. And law is the same way. I could have done, you know, corporate mergers and acquisitions. I could have done big law. I could have done anything. And it probably would have paid more, too. But I chose to go into criminal defense, and I chose to have a small practice that regular people could go to, that regular people could relate to, mm -hmm. that the general public would feel comfortable working with. So I have some outlandish slogans, you know, I have some, some fun advertisements because I wanted to help the most amount of people possible, mm -hmm. not the most amount of corporations possible or the most amount of businesses possible. Right. And so, uh, to pivot from there, I've now done over 600 cases in general sessions court, most of them appointed. Which means, you know, if you've ever watched the show Cops, you know, you have a right to an attorney. If you mm -hmm. cannot afford one, one will be provided for you. Mm -hmm. Well, our public defenders are incredible. They do an unbelievable job and they're stuck with some of the worst cases possible. Mm -hmm. And so they're busy, they're underpaid, they're overworked. And so what happens is, is when they can't take any more cases, then the judge... Or it will say who from the private bar is willing to do this work at a discounted rate in order to help somebody protect their freedom. Right. And so I started my practice taking those cases. I was like, I'm here, judge. I'll take those cases. Right. And so I can help, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people a year as an attorney. Mm-hmm. But as a judge, I can help thousands of people mm. a year. And so uh, I watched my father, you know, see and help a tremendous amount of people. And I was like, how can I, you know, how can I emulate him? How can mm. I, how can I make his, how can I bring his message to law? How can I, you know, really give back to the community and help the most amount of people possible? Right. I can't do that as an attorney. I can do that as judge. Mm. And so that's why I got tired of complaining. Right. I got tired of, of just saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And I did something about it. Right. I got the signatures, and now I'm running for judge because I want to be a doer, not a complainer. Right. And so that's how that transition unfolded between lawyer to now wanting to be judge. And so um, in running for judge, you do have an opponent. I do. Um, what makes you the better candidate 
um, to replace the incumbent um, for division uh, for division nine in general sessions. And a, and, and a good incumbent. I, mm-hmm. I, I will as you, if you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or any of the messages that we um, that come out from our campaign, they're all positive. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly important to us that, that we remain positive and that we can say, you know, she's doing a good job, but I want to do a better job. Mm-hmm. And so I think my experience as a criminal defense attorney with the sheer number of people that I've helped and the amount of cases that I've seen from the attorney side, from the representation side of people who need help, I'm coming in from a very different angle to this position than my opponent came in eight mm-hmm. years ago. Right. Now, she, she's going to have a lot more experience in general sessions court presiding over cases. But your experience as a judge and your experience as a defense attorney are very, very different when it comes to what is best for the people. And I think that my experience as a criminal defense attorney and my ability to relate and get along with my community will make me a better judge of the people's court than my opponent. So what does a courtroom look like um, with yourself at the seat? Okay. Well, let's let's rewind that question one step, and I'm going to ask you a question. And okay. you probably don't get asked very many questions. I don't. Questions, I don't. But, um, but I think, that, and this is impromptu. This isn't planned. Right. But what does general sessions do? What type of cases do they hear? Right. So um, general sessions hear... I want to say it's a it's a it's a money limit. I want to say, but they do domestic violence mm-hmm. um, cases. Um, I, I, the mental health court, I believe, is ran by General Sessions mm-hmm. Judge. Um, they also um, I forgot the name of like if people don't mow the grass and um, cut their line. I forgot what that's called. But that's also broached and talked about in general sessions. Uh, what else is in general sessions? Um, uh, that's that's all I got for you right now. That, okay, so the reason why I asked you that mm-hmm. is because very rarely do you run for something where you have to tell people what it is to right. begin with. Right. Because when people see general sessions judge, they're like, I'm law abiding. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Why do I, you know, like why, how does this pertain to me? I don't even know what this guy does. Right. So, um, so first of all, let's talk about what it does. And then I'll say, and then I'll talk about what it's going to look like if I'm sitting in the, you know, sitting on the bench. Okay. That sounds good. So what is general sessions court? It's really got three components. You have the criminal side where you can handle any misdemeanor. Okay. Okay. So if it's a misdemeanor from a bar fight to a joint to you mentioned domestic, you know, assault to a petty theft under a thousand bucks, if it's a misdemeanor or it's a felony that the state is letting reducing to a misdemeanor, you can handle it in general sessions. Okay. If you're charged with a felony, then a lot oftentimes that will start in general sessions and you can do different things in general sessions to preserve evidence if you're the defense. Okay. So that's the criminal side. 
but it's a unique judgeship because you have two, you have the civil side and the criminal side. Right. So you go over and you were exactly right. There is a limit. It's 25,000 bucks. Okay. So if you get in a fight with, you know, your spouse and they leave and they take the dog with them and mm-hmm. that was your dog, General Sessions Court, you know, it's like Judge Judy right. on the civil side. And then you have evictions. Mm-hmm. And you have detainer warrants, and it, and that's what that's the the technical term. Right. But it also is if you let somebody borrow your car and they didn't return the car, you can be like, hey, I'm repossessing that car. They bought it on a payment plan, and they do repos. Right. That's in general sessions. Got it. So that's what's heard in this court, and it actually touches the most number of people possible. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the DMV that touches everybody, right. <laughs> but general sessions, you get a speeding ticket. You're there. It happens. So with me at the helm, I have radical ideas. Like, listen to everybody. (laughs) That's kind of radical these days. It's crazy, isn't it? (laughs) To just pump the brakes, don't have a rocket docket, and just listen. Mm -hmm. It's also my responsibility... And there's a, and uh, and Judge Sam Coleman does an incredible job with this, and I and uh, and I brag about him because it really is phenomenal. But he takes the first three to five minutes when he sits down, and first of all, he addresses everybody as friends and neighbors. That immediately disengages, right? Because right. they're terrified in there. Right. And then he explains. You're in general sessions court. This on the civil side, he goes through all the rules of default judgments and who's responsible and what's going on. On the criminal side, he he slowly explains that everybody in there has a right to an attorney. Mm-hmm. That everybody in there needs to needs to know that right. Everybody in there needs to exercise that right. Mm-hmm. And then he and he goes through what the consequences are if you do plead. I mean, just very slow, but that doesn't happen in every courtroom. Right. And some of our judges just expect you to know what the process is simply because you're there. I had to go to law school to learn about that. Mm-hmm. So, and so in my courtroom, it would slow it down, right. make sure that everybody knows exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. and then if they want an opportunity to be heard, I will listen. I'll have I believe in redemption. I will serve with compassion. Um, there's a stat here. I was just looking at the. Uh, you probably saw that I brought it, but the. The year of challenges, the fiscal report. Okay. Right? And it's like, what are we dealing with here? What's going on here? And you look at like the drug testing program. And uh, and in total for probation, almost 4,000 tests were performed with a 41% positive rate. Mm. So that's what we're dealing with. Right. And so I understand that that addiction is real. Right. I understand that not every positive test is created equally. Right. I understand that that there's I wear green coat, but there's people in white coats that, you know, that have potentially, you know, gotten people hooked on different drugs that they can't get off of now. Right. And it's really difficult to just stop. Right. And so you have to work with them. You mentioned recovery courts. I believe you you mentioned uh, mental health, health court, court. Uh-huh. but you have veterans court, mm-hmm. recover a uh, drug court, uh, a mental health court. All of those general sessions, right. and um, 
And different judges, I, I, I kind of champion different causes, and right. you push them through. Um, but I believe just in a court that will slow things down, mm-hmm. give everybody an opportunity to be heard, and lastly, try to come up with solutions that people can actually follow through on in order to have this be the last time they're in my courtroom. Right. Instead of the word is recidivism when they when it's like a hamster wheel and it comes right. back and comes back and comes back. And so I um and we'll get into that later, but it's just like I want to make sure that they have a plan, a punishment. It's still punishment. Mm-hmm. But it's something that they can do, they can accomplish, they can achieve. Right. And learn something from it, so maybe they don't do it again. Right. Justice, right? Everybody wants to wants justice, <laughs> um, but that's a loaded word, um, and it can mean different things to different people. And so, um, as potential judge, I think it's important for us to know what justice means to you. Um, and so, can you break that down? what that means and compartmentalize it for what it means for you sitting on the bench um, and what justice is and what that looks like? That's a huge question. And I don't know <laughs> how much time we have. We got time. We got time. <laughs> That's what I say. It's a loaded, it's a, it, it's a real it, loaded it, word. It, it is deep. It is yeah. deep. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand or not you, you as in people, you know, people have to <laughs> understand that, There are three different silos when you walk into the courtroom. There's the judge, Mm -hmm. and the judge has to deliver justice. Then there's the state. Then there's the the DA, the district attorney. Now, they have a sense of justice Mm -hmm. because they represent the state of Tennessee. And so in a criminal case... It's not Joe Schmo versus Joe Schmo. It's the state of Tennessee versus Joe Schmo. Mm -hmm. So the state is the victim. I get punched in the face. I'm not the victim. It's the state of Tennessee versus that. So now this DA has to have justice for the victim, justice Mm -hmm. for the state or justice for the real victim. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm a criminal defense attorney. I represent defendants in that courtroom. And sometimes the justice that I'm seeking for my client is at odds Mm -hmm. with the justice that the DA is seeking for their victim. And the judge is having to weigh those two, you know, those, those two, uh, uh, um, uh, those two opponents yeah. exactly and so the judge is now having to that that's the hardest part right mm-hmm. is and well I'll use a very very basic example <clears throat> and that is let's say that you're that there's an amber alert okay and they're looking for a uh, an 8-year-old girl they stop your car and they open up your glove box and there's cocaine in there. Mm-hmm. You know, could they, could an eight-year-old girl have fit in your glove box? No. So that glove box is outside of the scope of them just looking in your car right. for an eight-year-old girl. Right. But you did have a kilo of heroin mm-hmm. in the car. 
So now you get arrested. Well, the state is saying they had a kilo. I'm saying he did. You're right. But you can't go in there. That's an illegal search. You can't do that. So now the judge has to be like, well, there's a kilo with his finger, with his hands all over it. But Mm -hmm. there's a constitution over here and there's protections over here that says he can't do that. Right. You know, that, that, that the state can't do that. Right. So my client should, in that case, be able to walk free right. because of that technicality. Now, has justice been served? Mm. Half, you know, half your listeners are going to say, no, that's right. a bad dude spewing death in my community. Right. And you just let him go over a technicality. But then you have another half that's saying, I got. I have a <clears throat> a right to be free from unreasonable search and seizure. I have right. a right to my, you know, like leave me alone. Right. So they're 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 champions right now. Right. And so, as judge, what the 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 hardest thing for me when it comes to justice is going to be when the defendant did something, the state has proved it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm trying to weigh because I have, you know, like if it's an open plea to me or if it's a plea that they've come up together, mm-hmm. come up with together. Now it's like, man, am I going to accept this? Is right. this enough? Right. Is this something that is going to make our community better? Right. And I really get aggravated as a defense attorney when the judge does not accept a deal that's been put together Mm. between the state and me because we know the facts. We've talked to the victims. We've talked to the police. We've talked to everybody involved Mm. and we've come up with this package. Right. And then the judge says no. Right. For whatever reason. Then that's when I get really upset. That's when I'm motivated to run because Mm -hmm. it's just like, no, the people involved figured it like worked out something right and now you're getting in the way of of a solution that is capable of being completed right um that's injustice so i don't like uh i don't believe every stop is created equal i'm a criminal defense attorney i like there are stops that i just hate to see Mm. i don't think everybody's treated equally when they do get stopped Mm. i don't think that um I don't think that a lot of our systems in place uh, have an equal effect on every single person. I think they're unjust. Right. However, as a judge, I can only change so many of those things. I right. have to keep them in mind. Right. But that's when it comes to your legislators, when it comes to maximum and minimums, when it comes to your legislators that made 0.5 grams of heroin, cocaine, and everything else. Uh, a felony, right? You know, I, as a judge, I have to obey the law, and, so and I, that makes it hard. And so I have, a, I have, let's get into power. Yes, let's get into power because I'm glad you you made that clear because um, many folks may have unrealistic expectations of judges not understanding the power that you all have and don't have. So I'm glad you put that out there, um, but you do have the power of your voice. Um, and so knowing that there are policies that are discriminatory towards particular groups of people, 
um, rooted in structural racism. There are policies that target poor folks. There are, are things that we know in this country that have just unjustifiably affected particular people. You cannot change those policies and laws while you're on the bench, but you do have a voice that because you see these things, you know, um, you will see these things in your courtroom, but you've seen them as a criminal defense attorney. How could you use your voice um, maybe at the state legislator, um, maybe at council meetings um, to maybe speak out against things that you know, hey, this might be in particularly harming community. Um, and even though I, I may not can write the policy or change it, but I can say something that may affect how vote goes or don't go. Wow. So it power is the the, the power is there. Mm -hmm. However, running for judge is pretty boring <laughs> because <laughs> if you're running for Congress, if you're running for Senate, if you're mm -hmm. running for for an uh, for a lawmaking office, right. then you can have all these plans, all these ideas, all these all these reforms that you want to push through. Mm -hmm. But as a judge, I have to obey the law. Mm -hmm. I cannot legislate from the bench. Right. And I have to treat everybody fairly. Right. Yeah, and I like partial. to add with dignity and respect and with a smile every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And But you're really tied when it comes to making law. Right. We're general sessions. Right. We're not the Supreme Court. Right. We are not even a court of record. Right. So we are forced to obey the law. But this is where it comes in. This is where that power is um, can be used in two different ways. Remember how those I, I, I would get upset if a judge did not accept a plea deal. Mm -hmm. Well, in my entire career, and and I and I can ask many others. I've seen a lot of judges never accept a deal because it was too lenient. Okay. It was too light. Okay. But you know what I've never seen? A judge look at something and just say, I'm not doing this. Mm. Like, take it back. That's too harsh mm. for this. I, I've never seen that. Wow. And for as many times as I get turned down on the other side, right. it's like, hey, every once in a while, throw me a bone right. that just says, hey, y'all go back and renegotiate this. Mm -hmm. So you do have that power. It's just never exercised. Right. Also, if if the state, if the DA knows I can rubber stamp this, he or she on the bench is just going to say, okay, because they've never said no for being too harsh, mm -hmm. what motivation do they have right. to make any changes? Right. They don't. Exactly. However, if they know that you got this innovative, fresh dude on the bench that you can actually throw something unique towards and be like, you know, the, the sentencing guidelines are pretty massive. I mean, they, you can really come up with some pretty creative stuff. Yeah. And it's like, let's try this instead and mm -hmm. see if he'll take it. Right. And that would then allow the state and the defense bar to really come up with some innovative things mm -hmm. and see if they work. And then if they do, then you can turn that courtroom into a, into a test kitchen to be like, hey, we've just tried this alternative approach. It was successful. 
And why don't we try to why don't we try to find a grant for this, or why right. don't we try to explore these options more? Right. But notice how never in there did I say lack of consequences. Right. And there's the justice component: is if you do something wrong, there needs to be consequences. Right. They just need to be commensurate with the crime that you do. You know, like there right. just needs to be some correlation there. Right. Um, and and uh, but the but the power the power can be used for good. Mm-hmm. The power can be used to toss out things that smell bad, to right. toss out things that just don't quite make sense, to toss out things that are just like that that just there's not enough there. Right. And 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 uh, and I wish. I wish our DA would allow for more bench trials in general sessions. I wish that there was more opportunities to kind of let, let some of those stories be heard Mm -hmm. instead of everything menu being manufactured into a, into a plea deal or into something. I would hope that the people in my court understand that, you know what, if you're going to, if you really want a fair shake, Mm -hmm. you're best, you have a great judge to just take this in front of, and and he will be fair, okay. you know. And that's the biggest honor I can have as a judge is if a criminal defense attorney tells their client, "Look, that's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Let's just take it in front of the judge, because mm-hmm. I trust his judgment." That's the kind of power I want. I want the kind of power that the defense bar um, knows that will be fair to the community. Brian, you you you're from Nashville. Um, Nashville is growing. Nashville is changing. Um, people say it's the it city. Some people say it is not for everybody. <laughs> Some folks say it's you know two cities in one. Um, I think you have a pretty pretty good idea of maybe those two cities because of the sixteen hundred plus cases you've been able to do throughout Middle Tennessee for indigent defense. Um, and really being able to, you know, be locked in and build relationships with communities that, you know, maybe Nashville is not for anymore, one may say. Um, can you talk about a little bit about that Nashville growth and how that plays a part in the work you've been able to do within Nashville and Middle Tennessee? And, and, and how does that help you um, be um, potentially the, the next judge? Um, and, and qualifies you to be the best judge for General Sessions Division Nine. So uh, I am from Nashville. Uh, my father actually went was in one of the first integrated classes at Meharry back in the '60s. Okay. My mother went to David Lipscomb Academy, and so I, I probably the only David Lipscomb Meharry combo here <laughs> in town. I like to joke, but um. But when my father came back in 1974, he set up his practice right there in Midtown and downtown, joined the faculty at Meharry. And, um, but the biggest thing about, about that relationship is growing up, I was taught, I, I'm Jewish, but I was taught about inclusion mm-hmm. and faith. Okay. Because both of those foundations were very important growing up, inclusion and faith. And, ah. Uh, my grandfather had a farm out in Antioch, okay. near where Bell Road hits Murfreesboro Road. 
my, uh, that farm was after it got, we got eminent domain where we were on the Stones River over there where uh, Percy Priest Dam is. And my mother grew up in Donaldson. Okay. So I mentioned that because I'm more Nashville than hot chicken. <laughs> I know I have connections, family, friends from Jolton where I went to summer camp at Camp Biota. Shout out to Eva Evans with, of City Pets on Jefferson Street, an awesome female owned business right there in the heart of North Nashville. But I went to her family farm for summer camp mm. on and um, Marabone Creek, it was incredible. But, and then going to, um, just going to school here in Nashville, growing up in this place mm -hmm. is an incredible place. I get why I was the it city, because it was where everybody wanted to go. However, now, moving, you know, fast forward, after all those, in, you know, like even before, that's why I wanted to get in this type of law. But after those 600 indigent cases, even more so, you realize that that it city was not it for everybody. Right. And we do criminalize poverty way too much. We do criminalize just the activities of survival way too much. And we have to reform how we address these issues mm -hmm. because they, the laws may not change. I'm a judge, I can't change the law, but I can reform how I address them. I, I, learning didn't come easy to me. Some people read and write, no problem. I, I struggled. Right. I had to go to a school called Benton Hall Academy. It's an incredible small private school for children who learn differently, and I learned how to learn. Mm. I have to see it, touch it, hear it. Takes me longer than some other folks but I can get it done because I learned how to do that. And that was so important to me that I now sit on the board of that school. But I brag about that school, I talk about that school because those students get a real diploma, okay? And for most of them, it's their ultimate degree they're ever gonna get. But that real diploma, you know why they're so proud of it? It's because they earned it. Mm -hmm. And they took the same SAT, the same ACT that you did. They took the same classes that you did. But it was fed to them in a different way hmm. that they could retain it and then they could, you know, regurgitate it back to you, which is all learning is and school is, right? Right. And so through, through my volunteering there and my being a student there, it, as a judge... I understand that everybody learns differently. And so then, therefore, shouldn't our punishments, shouldn't our uh, orders identify that? Far mm -hmm. too often we just have algorithmic law. You did this, this is what we do for those cases. You did that, this is what we do for those cases. Right. That can't happen. We have to have individualized justice. Right. And so the cash bond system, let's say your bond's $2,500. Mm -hmm. You have to come up with 250 bucks. Right. You make $10 an hour, which is still, you know, uh, a, a lot above minimum wage. Right. We're not talking about that because right. I'm general session judge, but at $10 an hour, in order to have 250 to spend on bond, mm -hmm. you got to work, you know, 30 hours. 30 hours mm -hmm. to give that bonding company 250 bucks that you never get back. Right. Now, what if we if you drop that bond to 250 bucks and let them make a cash bond, 
It's the same money, but guess what? When you show up back to court, you get it back. Right. So there are ways that you can still have bond, have the same effect on the family, have the mm -hmm. same motivation to make sure that that individual returns back to court, but that doesn't take their money permanently. Question for you. Um, there's been a lot of discussion as of late of whether bond is even necessary. Should there be a money amount on a human body? Um, and because of because of wealth, because of privilege that some folks have to money, we can commit the same crime. $250 may be nothing to you. You're going to get out in a few hours. $250, that's, that's my livelihood. And if I can't get out because I don't have the $250, period, I just don't have it. Whether I get it back or not, I just don't have it. Nobody in my family, peers, don't have it to give. I may lose my job. Oh, absolutely. You know, Um how do we get creative around those type of things? Um, around people being able to go to court without missing work. Um, being able to figure out if you don't have the money in general. And if it's not a, a, a heinous crime, shit, let me go. You know, and, you know, and if it's and like you said, these algorithms and statutes that say, hey, you know, are you a danger to the community? And, um, you know, what, what's your likelihood to, to, to come back to court? All these things that kind of dictate the bond that the night magistrates, you know, they hand down uh, most of the time. Like, is do you see um, do you see reason and do you see a, a, a legal system that does do away with with bond in general at some point in time for particular um, less heinous crimes or non heinous crimes of nonviolent crimes? So, boy, I thought you asked a big question earlier about justice. <laughs> this, this is, that was only a, deep, a, a that was a Cessna compared hey, to this hey, jumbo hey, jet hey, you just deep, dropped deep, on me. Deep dish, you know, deep dish, <laughs> deep dish conversations. We, got, we need to know. That's what we talk about. It's in thin crust conversations. <laughs> nah, it's a deep uh, dish conversation. For sure. Um, and I think you have a particular lens because of the people you have served. Um, and that's why I think it's like, that's why I'm so curious myself to hear your thoughts on if, if, if there's a possible way to get creative with, with bond and if we could just eliminate it possibly. So um, I'm gonna, there's a couple questions there. Yeah, so I'm gonna we'll break so, it down so, for so us. I'm gonna break it down and you, I hope I, and if I forget any of them, just remind me because I don't, because you brought up great points. And you're giving us a masterclass right now, yeah. just to let you know. So <laughs> yeah. we're, we're learning, we're learning. You talked about missing, you know, like not missing work right. for court. Mm -hmm. Robin Kimbrough Hayes, another another uh, 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 great attorney running right. for office, she talked about a night court. Mm -hmm. So you have judges that are that are talking about that. I get furious when my client is there and the state asks for a continuance because the officer's on in service or the victim didn't show up, and I'm like, no. If my client wasn't here, it'd be an FTA, a capius, which means a warrant issued and they go get arrested. Mm -hmm. But because they're not here, my client now has to miss another day of work, come at a future date, that's not fair. Right. So that's a huge issue to me um, because uh, uh, I can't miss a day of work. Right. I mean, it'd be, it's, it's crippling. Right. No, matter where, no matter where on the system you're working, mm -hmm. you miss a day, it hurts. Right. And gas, $5 a gallon, and, yeah. and milk and eggs are, you know, like crazy. It, it, you, 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 there has to be a better way. 
uh, Glenn Funk doing a great job with uh, reducing, uh, uh, with playing with bonds and trying to figure out how, it's, it's always a moving target. Mm-hmm. You don't know who's gonna recidivate versus who's gonna go back to their job and they just had one bad day. Right. That's the hardest thing to determine. And the moment somebody does something bad, then the whole system comes crumbling down when, you know, even, even if you had a 99.999% system, mm-hmm. that still means hundreds to thousands get through that were mistakes. Right. Um, now, bond, it's everybody, when you go to a restaurant, some people start at zero and work themselves up to a 20% tip. Mm-hmm. Other people start at 20% and work their way down to a, you know, to a no tip situation. I'm a criminal defense attorney. I think bond should start at ROR. And then, depending on what crime you committed, what infraction you may have, you know, they allege you committed. And what is that, ROR? Re- release on your own recognizance. Okay. So it should start at, we're going to hold you for this cool down period, whatever it is, and then process you, release you. That should be the start. And then after they review your record, your tendency to or not to show up to court, the severity of your crime, the likelihood of you getting out and just doing it again. That's why we have a 12-hour hold for domestics, because if they just hold you for a minute Mm -hmm. and then release you back out, you're going to go right back to the place of the fight and keep it going. So you got to cool down. Mm -hmm. So you have to factor in, do they have a job? Do they have ties to the community? If you're just in from Kansas... And you you have no ties here. You have no reason to be here. Mm-hmm. Why? And and you're you're being charged with a crime that um, that, uh, that that we won't bring you back for. It's like why would you ever even come back? Right. You, you know. So like, there's different mm-hmm. reasons why they why bond is higher and lower. Right. But um, but working our way to what is something that's achievable? What is something that it's, it's meant to be a, a motivation. Like if you don't show up, there's a sting. Right. It, and, it, and it shifts the burden from the defendant or from the state to the defendant. Right. Because with no bond, nobody would show up to court because they don't, there's no reason, they, there's nothing that's like holding over their head. Right. So now the sheriff would have to go out and find everybody to bring them back in. The bond brings them in. But it's, it, you're correct when it, it disproportionately affects a large percent of the community. Mm-hmm. So I wish there, um, they, like Nashville has a great fund that, that's, that's set up in order to post bond for certain individuals. And cash bail fund. And yes. Yep. And then, but talk about your sheriff. Mm-hmm. Talk about uh, your clerk, your criminal court clerk. If you get arrested, now there's a paper trail, right? Mm-hmm. How fast does that citation then get to the sheriff, mm-hmm. then get to the clerk, then get on a docket, then get you in front of a judge, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of different people touch that piece of paper between, you know, the, the, the police car that night or day or whenever and court. Mm-hmm. So if those people are working together better, then you can, then that time spent waiting, that time spent in, in that, if you can't make a bond, should be significantly lower than it is. Right. But, um, but I do commend, Glenn Funk is doing a lot to, to try to alleviate that. Okay. Um, but bond, bond is tough because nobody wants to be held 
right. unnecessarily. Right. And um, you, you talked about jobs, losing jobs because of that. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, a totally different topic that, that, that we can get into. And that is jobs. First of all, job, it's tough to get a job. Like even the unemployment is crazy low and everybody's hiring, but it's tough to get a good job. With a livable wage. Exactly. And so, and, um, and my definition of good and somebody else's definition of good, you know, let's throw all that out. Let's right. just try to help people here. Right. And so to me, when I get an Amazon, you know, warehouse worker or, um, you know, just a, um, a mechanic or somebody, and we're talking anything above $15, $16 an hour right now is a, is, is a good job. Right. And it's hard to replace easily. And so what's, what ends up happening is you get caught. We talked about that uh, 41% fail rate, right? And you get somebody who's arrested on something, let's say shoplifting. And it was something petty. They shouldn't have done it. They're on probation. Then mm-hmm. they violate and you put them, at, 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 fail a drug test. They do something and you put them in jail for three or four days or longer than that. Mm-hmm. because they're, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. They haven't done their class. So you just go straight to jail. Right. Well, now that person, like that, those couple days, they got kids, they right. got, they got jobs, they have obligations. So then they may have lost their job or they may, and then you lose your job, you lose your house. Mm-hmm. And then, and now, the, now you ain't got a house because right. you can't pay the rent right. and you ain't got a job because of, you know, because of something that happened and, and, and then, what happens? You don't pay your court costs and court fines and court fees. You don't have the money to. So then what happens? They go after your driver's license because you haven't paid that because right. they're like, well, if we take his driver's license, that's going to motivate him to pay it. Right. But guess what? Now with no license, you got a new job, but you can't get, get to, to it. Yep. Or um, uh, or you keep going to that new job and then you get driving on revoked, driving on revoked to where right. you never get your license back. Right. So all of our systems are set up to just... To, to feed this hamster wheel. Mm. And so that's why our judges need to take a step back, need to pull the layers off that onion, and they need to understand that just a couple days in jail can snowball into an absolute disastrous mm-hmm. outcome. And if they pause for a minute and like, you know what, what, what would be better to the community? 24 hours of public service or 48 hours in the Davidson County, you know, workhouse. Right. Nobody wants to go in there. No. How does that help you, me, the taxpayer of Tennessee? And so it's like, but if I can, in, 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 but we talked about that justice. We talked about that punishment that needs to be there. Right. I tra- we have trash pickup. We have community service. We have the ability to make donations. You know, I know that at one of the food banks we talk about, um, the DA that I work deals with to support that it's a cash donation to that place because for you to go out and buy cans and donate them, the cheapest is Aldi at 59 cents. Whereas if you gave them a dollar, they can get five cans for a dollar instead right. of you spending, you know, a dollar 50 on two cans. Right. So, um, so there are alternative things that we can do that would help local programs and give them volunteers, give right. them like, you know, human workforces right. that are pro bono because they're coming through the criminal justice, the, the, the probation system. 
And so um, we talked a little bit about this um, working you out of a job, right? If people didn't have to show up to general sessions court, it would be a beautiful thing. Um, however, again, um, judges are limited of capacity. Um, but I would still love to hear your thoughts on what are some solutions in the front end that can prevent people ending up in potentially your court that we should be implementing um, in communities, um, whether it's res whether it's housing, <laughs> whether it's uh, access to food, um, whether it's access to uh, education, uh, whether it's access to employment, um, access to things that are going to minimize a person from committing a crime that will potentially end them up in your court? So first, I want to just end a couple myths. All right. First of all, casinos don't even have the cameras that Kroger and Walmart <laughs> and everybody does at the self-checkout zone. All right. They're watching you and they're watching you closely. The shadow scan, the stack one on top of the other scan, and no matter if it's $17 for food or $170 of Apple electronics, they are going to prosecute you no matter what. Mm. And they will send a loss prevention officer to court no matter what, and they will be there. So do not think that there's any amount too small, or if you're a teenager or young or old, they're not going to come after you. Retailers have taken a different approach, and they will. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number mm -hmm. two, marijuana is still illegal in Davidson County. Mm -hmm. Whether you like it or you don't like it, uh, and whether the district attorney, no matter what he chooses to do, if an officer charges you with it. But please, God, stop smoking in your car. <laughs> stop. Like, like, it still is an illegal drug in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, again, my opinion aside, it still is. And that smell is so loud. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to be around that people get in trouble all the time because they don't think. Right. And it's just like in that plain smell doctrine, again, no matter how you feel about it being, it is still law. Mm -hmm. And that is the number one way that people get caught with a million other things is from that plain smell doctrine. So just realize that it's putting you at risk. Mm -hmm. One, uh, third, window tint. If your window is tinted too dark, it is a probable cause stop every single time you get behind the wheel. Okay. So those are little preventable things mm -hmm. that could stop a tremendous amount of unnecessary stops. Those are practical things. Okay. Uh, but we have to have better, like, like education is a huge component. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, just, I hate when I get a client stealing food 
you know, if it's a small client, Nashville does a really good job with that. Mm-hmm. If they're, you know, I don't even eat filet mignon every night. So if they're, right. so if it's Apple products and steaks, then, then you feel a little bit less bad because you know that they're not eating that. They're, mm-hmm. use, they're selling that in order to, to um, you know, to feed another problem. Mm-hmm. But then that's, that's the biggest thing is mental health. Our legislators have to invest more in mental health. Our legislators have to invest more in in the recovery courts, Mm -hmm. whether that's mental health, domestic violence, whether it's um, drug addiction, drug addiction, Mm -hmm. veteran court. All these courts do really good things, but they need funding and they need education. The food blight zones, like making uh, making affordable, edible, wholesome food. Available to all four count, uh, all four corners of Davidson right. County, all of those things are important. All of those things, just don't that the general sessions has to deal with. Right. I have to deal with the poverty problem, but I'm not given any tools right. to to fix it or to fight it. Right. I'm just dealing with the consequences of right. it. And so, I would love to see um, better better. Uh, better access to after-school programs. The mm-hmm. idle mind is the devil's playground. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to see. One thing that I would really like to see is a better pipeline between Fisk, TSU, and uh, National School of Law. Mm-hmm. Because I think that no matter how much I try to get on someone's level, if I don't look like them, there's already a barrier there. Right. And I don't care if that's male, female, if that's racial, if that's ethnicity, if it's sexuality. Mm-hmm. However, we're different. Right. When you when you lock in mm-hmm. with your with your brother, right. it's a different kind of lock in than across the dinner table. No matter how much you care about everybody, there's right. that extra level of of community there. Right. And I think that. Um, I know that like Fisk and Meharry have a pipeline, but I think that you want to talk about uh, helping different communities. It's getting more individuals, more shining stars from those communities Mm -hmm. to go to programs like Nashville School of Law that you can do at night, that are affordable. My, My law degree costs less than a Hyundai Sonata. Whereas you know like that you can get this degree right. and not buy and not buy a house with your brain, right. but um, but if we had better pipelines to schools like NSL, I think that would also help every community because you could see mm-hmm. that, that person from your class did right. that or that person from your school did that, and then they go back and speak to that's why I'm on the board of Benton Hall right. because I tell those students every single day. That like you can do anything you want, right? If as long as you you put the work in, and um, but but those kids have to see somebody that was in their shoes. That's the difference in empathy and sympathy. They have to they have to be able to have <clears throat> walk you know walked in those shoes and right. know that you did it too mm-hmm. for them to truly believe that you can. What is some of the biggest things you learned? Um, in those 600 plus cases, <laughs> um, what are some of the biggest things you learned about yourself? You learned about, about the legal system, um, about those affected by the legal system. Um, and how do those things you learned kind of, you know, 
you carry with you um, professionally and personally um, from your from your journey, from your tenure? Man, I've. I had a judge tell me one time, you care about your clients more than they care about themselves. Mm-hmm. And that hit me a lot weirder than I, like most things just, it's like a rain jacket. You know, you're right. wearing Gore-Tex, you're good to go. Right. But that one penetrated. That one, that one got in, but I didn't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, <laughs> you know? And so... It was one of, like, when I get home and it's still eating at me and I'm trying to go to bed and what happened that day still eating at me, mm-hmm. that's when it's a bad thing because it's like, that, that's affecting my health. That's affecting my mojo. That's affecting everything. But then you're like, but why is it affecting me? Because right. it's, it's messed up. Right. Like, that wasn't right. And so then it's like, no, I, I feel good about that. You know, like that, that, that nut in your stomach mm-hmm. is 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 from a good place but what did i learn i learned that a you have to be able to separate yourself you did not do this act that you're representing this person for okay uh you you didn't make that mistake or you you didn't put yourself there so it's okay like but but we have to deal with this i learned that some people are truly apologetic for what they did and other people are just like, give me my time. I can flat that on my head and just let me out of here. Mm-hmm. And so you, you you deal with those people differently. The, the ones that are just like, just give it to me. I know it's coming up. Let me, you know, it's part of their process. It's a lot less fulfilling, mm-hmm. but you do, but you do it for them. But the biggest thing was when people come up and they say, thank you. Or when you see people out in the community and, or you read on Facebook and somebody's like, man, that was my public defender. He did great. That's what. That's when you learn that you're making a difference. That you get that mail, and it's and it ain't a lot, but you get the mail from the people that say thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned that. Uh, I've learned never to guess what the punishment's going to be, mm-hmm. because you're, you know, it's uh, it's like a business plan. The only thing you can guarantee is it ain't going to go. You know, it ain't going to go to plan. Right. Um, I've learned that I really like the stories. I really like the people. Mm-hmm. I really like the chaos. I really like the environment mm-hmm. of Sessions Court because it is the people's court. It's right. the, the formalities are out the window. The pageantry is out the window. Mm-hmm. And it's just real people getting down, just living. It's right. survival court. Right. And knowing that, knowing how hard it is on them, knowing that, you know, I, you can read an article that says the 80% of people don't have $400 to cover an emergency. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, $400, wow. And then I talked to my client and we were gonna object to a blood, uh, to, a, to a urine test. But in order to do that, he had to come up with $12 to get the spectrometer test, you know, processed, and he didn't have it. Mm. Now, we stepped back, and I asked him, I was like, hey, we can have this spectrometer test done, you know, and I can go find a waiver, you know, or apply for something. 
And he was just like, nah, man, <laughs> just, you know, like, right. we, I'd rather you be able to fight this as inconclusive than get the conclusive back because then I ain't got to fight. Right. <laughs> you know, like, right. then I'm guilty. So right. fight the, so, so use that 12 to my advantage. Right. <laughs> Let it be unknown. <laughs> And so, like, and we laugh about that, and that's good that you that you had a chuckle because, is it unbelievably sad that he don't have twelve dollars? Yes, right. That's a real reality that I deal with every day. However, when you step back and he's like, "Nah, dog, that's just gonna waste time and waste everything," then you can chuckle about it right. and be like, "Well, let's just keep the process moving then. Right. Like, let's just you you did it." You know you did it, so now let's look for some empathy. Let's look for mm-hmm. some compassion. Let's try to fix this. Right. Um, but uh, but man, I don't think I ever I realized until I got into that seat just how tough it is for so many people. Mm-hmm. I won't even say so many Americans because there's a ton of undocumented immigrants that um, that are just trying to go to work or just right. trying to, you know, support our economy mm-hmm. and get caught up in things because of uh, rules from our state legislature. Right. I'm not taking a stance on immigration. I'm not, you know, I, that has, there has nothing to do with this court. I'm saying right. how this court interacts with those individuals right. who are actually far more compliant Mm-hmm. Uh, with the punishments in the small claims court that we deal with and just don't want any trouble. Right. Uh, and so we de- I deal with, with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'd be a good judge as well because I'm on the ground floor and I'm meeting with these folks every day and I'm fighting for them. And so my experience comes from fighting for them Mm-hmm. So then when I do have the fortune of sitting on that bench one day, I will work my hardest to not forget that struggle that I had on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I will try my best to use that experience to be a just, to be a compassionate, to be a champion of the people from the bench to where maybe in eight years I don't have an opponent because I've done such a good job that they model other courts after what we're doing. Right. They, they, they bring in others to see what we're doing because we do it for the people. And so um, as we close, I want to get into that eight years. It's a long time, Brian. It's a long time. Um, hell of a long time. Um, but it's a lot of time to get some work done mm-hmm. and make an impact. And so what does eight years look like with you um, as judge for the uh, General Sessions Division 9? It, it was daunting at first. It was like eight years. Mm-hmm. That is, that's four cycles for, your US, for a U.S. congressperson. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will take, a, it will take some time to understand the position. And so I think that the reason why it is so long is because it does take, take you a minute to figure out where am I going to fall on these issues? How am I, I know what I thought I was going to do, but now it's in front of me. Now that's not working out. Now, now my utopia is gone. Mm -hmm. Now I understand 
why things are happening, and now I have to change my approach. Right. So that takes some time to get comfortable. But the thing that I like about it is it gives you time to be a judge. It gives you time to make those difficult decisions. Right. It gives you time to make those unpopular decisions mm -hmm. because you're not constantly uh, campaigning. You're not right. constantly trying to raise money. Right. You're not constantly trying to raise awareness. You're not constantly, um, you know, trying to please everyone. Right. You can actually do what you're elected to do, mm -hmm. which is make some decisions that may not be popular at the time, but then over eight years, people have an opportunity to see a whole collection of work. Right. And, and a whole body of, of examples of who you are. Mm -hmm. And if they were shorter terms, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be as effective. Right. But eight years also, to me, means stability. Mm -hmm. It means uh, a stronger foundation in Nashville. It means a longer runway to make a difference. Right. And, if, and I want to make a difference. Making a difference takes time, especially if it takes money, because you have to get in the budget. Right. So the budget for next year, it's already been made. Right. And then the first year I'm in office, I'm still trying to figure out how to do the job, not how, not how to create a new program within the job. Right. And then there's another budget meeting. Right. So now you're in year three when you're starting. Like, this, is, this is reality. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and that, you know, like probably not a fun, a cool thing to talk about on a, on a, you know, podcast before the election, but I'm admitting that it, no matter who you are, right. there's a learning curve, whether you've been right. out 30 years or, or, or been out three, it, right. it, it's a totally different gig, right. but it can be done better. And so for like, the thought that I get eight years to make a difference, eight mm -hmm. years before I have to campaign again, eight years to make my family proud, make Nashville proud, make Nashville School of Law, Benton Hall, BGA, make uh, you know by the Jewish community, make all these different folks that are helping me. Mm -hmm. I get eight years to make them proud. Right. Like wow, that's powerful. Wow, yeah. that's that is that's a huge, huge vote of confidence. Right. If I get your vote, right, and and that gratitude, um, I mean, I'll look somebody straight in the eye and say, like, thank you, like, mm -hmm. for your vote, for your belief in me for eight years is massive. Like, that's huge. Yeah, it is. And and uh, and, and I want to, I respect that that privilege. I respect that that power, and I want to use it positively mm -hmm. and justly. Um, and, and like I said, I just don't want an opponent in eight years. Right. Well, um, I appreciated this, Brian. Um, I give all, all guests, you know, this last statement to close out. And so I, I want to give you um, space and time to, to hit on anything else that you know we didn't cover you just felt dear in your heart that you want the listeners the view, viewers to um hear one more time or just you know hear for the first time and then um of course allow uh let people know how they can support you and um 
when early voting is and then when is the voting date. Okay. So early voting starts July 15th to July 30th. Mm-hmm. I believe there's 11 different locations. Uh, Howard School Building opens a little bit before the other ones do. Uh, election day is August 4th. And um, my name is Brian Horowitz. I'm from Nashville. I am running for Davidson County General Sessions Judge Division 9. That is a countywide race. So if you live in Davidson County, you can vote in my race. I'm on page 6 of the ballot. Uh, and uh, it is going to be a 16-page ballot. It is going to be a big, big, big ballot. And so I, I hope that you take the time to go down and the time to vote because it is important. Local small elections make a giant difference. Right. You can find me at uh, puthimonthebench.com, elect Brian Horowitz on Facebook, elect Brian Horowitz on Instagram. You can uh, support our campaign by going to uh, puthimonthebench.com or electbrianhorowitz.com. They both work. But there's a, there's a donate page. There's a, a volunteer page. There's um, a page coming uh, with some Q&A about just different uh, uh, stances that we take on different things that are happening and why I'm running. Um, but, but the biggest thing is uh, uh, follow, follow our message mm. because we're a judge who can smile once in a while. We're a judge who wants to be the judge of the people's court. We're a judge who's down to earth. We're a judge who wants radical, crazy ideas like listen to everybody. I wear a green jacket because it's fresh. It's holistic. It's new. And that's who I am. I'm fresh. I want holistic, Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, uh, 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 ideas. Mm -hmm. I want innovative ideas. I want my courtroom to be a place where people, where, where, their, where their lawyer goes, man, we're lucky we're in here. Right. This is going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. We're going we're gonna to do something that's going to help you not ever be here again. Right. And so um, my goal, and this is going to sound crazy, but if you think about Tinder, if you think about Bumble, if you think about those, those apps, if they do a good job, you delete them. Think about that. Right. Match.com. If it does what it's supposed to do, right. you delete it. You should. What an in- You should. Yeah. <laughs> it's an innovative concept, right? Right. And so I, I want to be like that. I, if, you, if I do what I'm supposed to do, right. you never see me again. Mm-hmm. If you do what you're supposed to do, right. you delete it. It goes right. away. You never come back. Right. And, uh, and that's, that's how I want it to be. I want to, I, I really do want to make a difference. Right. And that's elect Brian Horowitz. That's H O R O W I T Z. And, um, we really need, you know, folks at the polls. We really need just, just volunteers spreading our message because it is unique. I, I'm young. I don't have the same, uh, friends in, in different places to, 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 to spread my message. And so I'm, I love opportunities like this oh, no. with you to no. just be able to just be heard yeah. by the community because that's who I'm going to be serving. Yeah, no, no. Thank you. Um, and shout out to Becca, you know, and, and thank her who's a part of your team and 
your, you know, social media team and I everything have else. the best team <laughs> ever. Uh, Caitlin Moss, my campaign manager, rising 2L at Belmont Law School. Uh, I, I spoke to their class, uh, guest lectured one time in the fall. She enjoyed it. She was like, I want to go to the jail. I want to go see, <laughs> you know, see how a street attorney practices. Right. And uh, my everybody at the courthouse was like, who is that? She's great. And I was yeah. like, well, she's about to be my legal intern <laughs> because she's so awesome. Yeah. So she's there. Uh, Becca Cunningham um, is my girlfriend. She's uh, doing a lot of our social media. She's, 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 I couldn't do it without her. Right. And then uh, Kate Yoho, our treasurer, she's, uh, she is wonderful. She's doing a great job. I'm yeah. appreciative of everybody that's volunteered Shout for Shout out me. to the team. This, the team is incredible. I couldn't do it without them. Well, Brian, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your just your genuineness. I appreciate your Nashvilleianness. you know. <laughs> um, and I, 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 I think people are really going to enjoy uh, this conversation and the things that you talked about, your diversity of thought perspective around social change um, and that's what we explore here so I appreciate you good luck um, in early voting and, and good luck on August 4th and everybody hey um, you have it here on deep dish you you know he can't he can't take it back um, go <laughs> check out his platform and um, all his accounts and his website and everything and uh, definitely contribute um, any way you can if you are moved to do so after listening and watching this um, conversation so thanks Brian and uh, definitely want to have you back Thank you so much, and let's bring on the green. <laughs>